Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. Sometimes Christians can be like this. You can have a people, they're believers. They got gifts and callings upon their lives, but they just don't have a passion to get out and do anything for the Lord. They're caught up thinking about other things. They're distracted by other things. There's not really a stirring. They have, they have things that they could do. They have opportunity to do the things and they just don't have a desire. Don't be like that. Don't be the believer that's sitting around, uh, sitting on your hands, sitting on your gifts. Amazingly, Pastor Bill's statement applies to most of us. Everybody has diversions in their lives. Although we are endowed with abilities, we either spend our time pursuing unimportant pursuits or spend our time sitting in solitude, depleting our gifts. Pastor Bill discusses in today's message how you can use what you have to serve God. You may use your talents to serve God and spread the gospel rather than wasting them. How can you start serving God with talents that He has already given you? Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 14, as he begins his message, Venture of Faith. We could be in 1 Samuel chapter 14. And uh, if you guys want to open up the first Samuel 14, so you don't get scared. This is a long chapter, but it's narrative, right? So we're going to take some big chunks, but there's some great lessons for us in this chapter. So I'm going to open up with a word of prayer and we're going to jump into God's word, see what he has for us. So so first Samuel 14, now I titled the message Venture of Faith. You're going to see that the venture of faith is pretty, it's kind of overshadowed, right? Who's the king? Right. Is he a good king? He's a jerk. You're going to see more of that, right? Let me refresh us. We saw that Jonathan, Jonathan went out and you know, he had a big, it says Jonathan attacked and Saul did what? Saul blew the trumpet. Jonathan attacked, Saul blew the trumpet. And we see in chapter 13, Saul still doing things to just kind of get in the way of, of what God is doing. We'll see even more. Uh, Jonathan went out and attacked and, saw, and his dad took the credit. Uh, if you can imagine that, imagine your kid doing something brave and, and amazing for God and then you eating the credit for what they had done. That's the kind of guy Saul is. We'll see more of it. But I want you to pay attention to Jonathan. Um, the encouraging word, the stirring word, the thing I want to impress upon us is that we are supposed to be a people of faith. Amen. Faith is, I mean, everything about the believer, it, our relationship with God, it begins in faith. We continue with the Lord in faith. Anything we accomplish for God is done by faith. And so faith is a critical part of the life of the believer. And if you're going to do something great for God, you're going to operate in great faith. And so we'll see Jonathan take a step and venture of faith that it encouraged me. I read this and I was preparing this and I'm like, man, I just want to, you know, he just had this sense of I just want to do something for God. I'm not content to just sit around and do nothing. And I pray that some of us watching, listening would capture that, that we would be discontented to just be sitting around with all the all the tools to do a work for God. Jonathan sitting around. He had armor. He had an armor bearer. That's all he had. We're going to see that Saul had 600 men. He had armor. He had the priest. He had access to the presence of, I mean, to get direction from God. They both are sitting there. One has significantly more than the other in terms of, you know, uh, ability. And uh, we'll see. Let's, let's, just, let's just jump into it. So 1 Samuel 14, verse 1, it says, Now what happened on the day that Jonathan 
the son of Saul said to the young men who young man who bore his armor, come, let us go over to the Philistines garrison that is on the other side. But he did not tell his father. So a couple things. Right. We got Jonathan here in the opening part of the chapter. He's got his armor bear. Can I clear something up real quick? I know this is kind of, a, you know, maybe in our traditional churches. But how many guys have been part of a church that had armor bearers? So uh, for you guys that don't know, don't be you, you've probably been in more healthier churches. So in some of our traditional churches, there's a position called the armor bearer where usually these are the pastor's flunkies. These are the guys that follow him around. They carry his Bible like he's handicapped. They offer him stuff to drink and cough drops and everything else. Um, it's really it's really and, and it's a title. It's armor bearer. They take it from this. Now, this makes sense. Jonathan's going to go to war. He's got a guy bearing his arm so so he can move and get around. And then when he's time to scrap, give me my stuff, man, give me my weapons. I can do the thing. I'd be doggone if I got two hands and I got to, would you carry, carry my Bible? Like, I, like this is so heavy. Yeah, I can't carry this and do the work. So, I, you know, I just want to clear that up. I, that's not a biblical position in the New Testament church. There's not an office for the armor bearer. This is some... It's some mishmash from Old Testament, you know, picture. I just want to throw that out there for anybody that you wonder, Pastor Bill, where's your armor bearer? Never. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to war. <laughs> if I'm going to war, I have my own pistol. I'll carry it myself, I promise. Okay, so enough of that. So Jonathan has his armor bearer. <laughs> they're, they're, uh, and, and he says, hey, man, he just has a sense of adventure about him. He's like, man, the enemies are right over there. The, I mean, the innocent enemies are right over there. Remember that all the, the Israel didn't have any weapons. They were all scared um, that the Philistines weren't letting them make any. Only people that had weapons were who? Saul and Jonathan. Right. That's it. So Jonathan said, man, let's go over there. Let's just go. Let's go do something. Let's go start just two of us. But let's go see what we can get cracking with the Philistines. Let's go over there and start something up with them. But note this. But he did not tell his father. Why? Just, I'm going to throw that out to you guys. Why, we don't know for sure, but why do you think? Why didn't he tell his dad? He's getting ready to go try something significant. I'm, I'm getting ready to go stick it to the enemies, the Philistines. I'm going to go try to stir up something with them. Why wouldn't you tell your dad who's the king? Who should, who, he should be leading the, the way to go smash on the Philistines. Why wouldn't you tell your dad? Anybody? Okay. Saul, Saul wasn't with it. Anybody else? Okay, so God wasn't with them, so he might mess it up. And interestingly, you, you wonder how much Jonathan saw and knew, right? We've seen glimpses already that Saul was really, Jonathan being his son, they, he, he may have seen a lot more than, than the average person. This was my thought, right? As a person that wants to do faith things, I don't usually want to talk to people that are not faith people when I'm making decisions that are faith decisions, right? When I'm getting ready to take a step of faith and I realize to your natural mind, this is going to sound ridiculous. I don't want to talk to natural people. I got faith friends. I got friends that I'll call and I'll say, hey, bro, I've been praying. I, was, I read this verse. It's crazy, but I, I really believe God is saying to do this. Doesn't make sense. Doesn't add up in the bank account, but I believe God is saying do it. And I got people that will say, well, let's pray. Then let's, let's go see about it. You know, let, let's pray. It's not against the word of God. And, you know, if it's if God is giving you, you know, peace about it, man, go ahead. You know, there are times where I need faith friends. I need people that I can talk to that believe God for things that we can't see, things that don't add up on paper. And so I think that's why Jonathan said, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to tell, you know, he'll probably tell me I can't go. He'll probably shut it down and stop me before I get it going. While we're here, let me just say a word to parents. If you're a parent and you're blessed to have children, you're raising them up. 
and your children know the Lord. That's a big if. If your children know the Lord, if your children know the Lord and they pray and they seek the Lord and they come to you with something that's outlandish to you. I don't it's not it's not what you want for them. You wanted something else, but they they they're hearing from God. You got to at least be open to pray. Um, in the years that I did youth ministry, I, I can't tell you, I was so mad at parents. I'd have kids that were like, Pastor Bill, I feel like God's calling me to missions and I want to go on the mission trip and I'm going to go pray about it. And they pray about it. And like, yes, God wants me to go. And they go talk to their mom or dad. And mom's like, no, because I'm afraid for you to fly because I'm afraid to fly. You can't go. And I'm like, they can't go because you scared. And I mean, I, I watched that over the years. I mean, I watched the kids cry. Like, I want to go serve God. And mom was like, no, you, you can't go. Not like that. You got to find something else to do. And and you watch that flame that was there just kind of go away. And them kids get in the mom let you play sports. They'll let you do all. You can do everything else. But except serve God. You can get on a bus with some non-believers and go kick a soccer ball around the field. But you can't get on a plane and go tell some people about Jesus. So parents need to be careful that you're not leading in fear, that you're also leading in faith. You got to at least pray about it. I've had my kids bring some stuff to me and, and I wanted to say no. I'm like, I, I pray, God, show me how I'm going to say no. Uh, but I, I pray I'm going to do the wrong fair. And uh, I've had God shut it down and just say, no, they're going to go. They're doing all of that. And you're going to pay for it. So so we got to be praying. Right. We got to be willing to if we want them to take steps of faith, we got to be willing to give them the freedom to operate in faith. And so. He doesn't bother telling his dad. I, I think that might be why, because his dad is, is not going to operate in faith. So he, he doesn't even bother letting him know what he's thinking about doing. Um, moving on, look at verse two. It says, and Saul was sitting in the outskirts of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree, uh, which is in Migron. The people who were with him were about 600 men. And Ahijah the son of Ahitab, Ichabod's brother, the son of Phinehas, the son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh, was wearing an ephod. But the people did not know that Jonathan had gone. So I want you to get the contrast here. You got Jonathan, his armor bearer, his little bit of weapons and, and a stirred up heart to go do something for God. You got Saul sitting under the tree over here, sitting under the pomegranate tree. You get a different picture. Look like Saul is on vacation over here under the pomegranate tree, over here close to Gibeah where things are safe for me. I got 600 men with me, got my back. Watch out just in case something jumps, something jumps off. I got the priest. The point of the priest was it was for them. It was how you it's how they sought the Lord. The priest had something in his uh, ephod called the Urim and the Thummim. And when they needed to get a word or direction from the Lord, they would go to the priest and say, hey, I'm asked the Lord for me. Shall we go or shall we not go? And the priest would put his hand in the ermine them and he'd pull out one and he would just that would be how they would determine the will of God. Yes, you should go. No, you should not go. So he had everything he needed. He had men. He had a way to seek the Lord and get definitive direction about what to do, where to go. And with all that Saul had, Saul was just chilling under the pomegranate tree, had everything he needed to get out there and get busy for the Lord. But he didn't have a heart for the work. He didn't have a heart to get out there. And so sometimes Christians can be like this. You can have a people, they're a believer. They got gifts and callings upon their lives. But they just don't have a passion to get out and do anything for the Lord. They're caught up thinking about other things. They're distracted by other things. There's not really a stirring. They have they have things that they could do. They have opportunity to do the things and they just don't have a desire. Don't be like that. Don't be the believer that's sitting around, uh, sitting on your hands, sitting on your gifts, 
when there's something God would do through you, something supernatural. You could be taking steps of faith to do something for the kingdom of God. It might be that God wants you at your job to be sharing with people. It might be that God is putting people in your path. And he's like, I want you to share with them. I want you to pray about that. I want you to take whatever the steps of faith are. If you seek the Lord, he'll show you. And they'll be different in every season. But there's always something God would have us. do. We should never just be chilling all the time. Uh, there's a time to take a break. Right. But you got to take a break from working. So Saul ain't did nothing. And he's taking a break. <laughs> what you taking a break from? He's taking a break from the last break that he took when he was taking a break. So uh, <laughs> you don't want to be doing that. We want to be moving forward with the plan and the, the work of God. So, again, Saul, like many believers, has the gifts and abilities, has access to the resources. There's a work that needs to be done. He just has no desire to get out there in the fight. And so back down, look at verse four now. So it says he didn't know Jonathan had taken off. Verse four, between the passes by which Jonathan sought to go over to the Philistines garrison, there was a sharp rock on the one side and a sharp rock on the other side. And the name of the one was Bozes and the name of the other was Seneh. The front one faced northward opposite Michmash and the other southward opposite of Gibeah. Then Jonathan said to the young man who bore his armor, come, let us go over to the garrison of the uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us for nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. Do you hear the faith in this young man like this? He said he said it's just him and his armor. Bear. He's like, dude, let's go. They done climbed up over the thing there. Imagine that the enemies of God, the Philistines, they're right over there. He knows where they're at. And he's like, bro, let's go get them. It's just two of them. And he's saying, look, I, bro, he said, look, it's nothing for God to save by many or by few. That's faith. Jonathan is not going in his own might. You, you catch that? Jonathan's not going saying, bro, I'm a bad dude. You ain't seen how I can get down with my sword. He's saying, look, it doesn't, if God goes with us, it don't matter if it's two of us or 2000, bro. We can do this. God will do it for us, you know. And I love this. This is the phrase that is what I call this adventure of faith. He said, come, let us go over the, the garrison to the uncircumcised. This is the phrase. It may be. It may just maybe. Maybe God will do it. Maybe God's going to be in this. I don't know. I'm not positive, but maybe. Now, here's what he knew for sure. Jonathan knew for sure that the Philistines were the enemies of the people of God. He knew for sure that God wanted Israel to defeat the Philistines. So he's not just, you know, he's, this is not just in the air. He didn't wake up one day with a wild hair and just try some strange thing. He's like, those are God's enemies. We're God's people. We're supposed to be defeating them and taking ground from that's what we're supposed to be doing. And we sitting around over here. I don't want to sit around. Dad is over there under the pomegranate tree with his 600 soldiers doing nothing. I'm over here, my armor bearing, and Jonathan's got the itch. Man, I, I, I want to go see. I, I just want to go see if God will do it. And I wonder, you know, how many times if we just would operate like that, God would just go see what you'll do. There are things that we already know God wants to do, right? Does he want to save lost people? Yeah. Sure. So you could just say, you know, I'm going to just go see if you want to do something here. If there's, you may want to go speak to that person. I used to do this on a regular. I would I, when my kids were little, there were times where we would go out and I was trying to show them you could talk to anybody. You could share the gospel with anybody. So I would tell them, pick, just pick somebody, whoever you pick, I'll go talk to. And, you know, they would they would pick whoever, you know, they would try to pick somebody to look look real sinful. You know, somebody Harmony always thought people that were smoking were real bad. I, we, we, I, I'll never forget this. We were at a restaurant 
and they had a part outside where all the people were smoking. And she was little, but she said it so loud. She said, Daddy, all those people are smoking, and they're going to be smoking in hell. And I was like, oh, man. I just had to usher her out of there. But, uh, you know, she tried to pick a smoker or something like that, you know, to go share with that one, that person. But I remember this time, I was uh, on Manchester. Over here, there's a 7-Eleven right across from uh, Carl's Jr. And uh, I went out there one night, and I just said, I'm going to stand out here for a little while. When I wasn't saved... Uh, I would 7-Eleven was my 40. So that's where I go get my 40s from because you can get beer till 2 a.m. at 7-Eleven. I'm not stumbling nobody, I hope. But, but that was a deal back then. So I would be going there to get. So there are times where I think, God, I want to go where I would be when I wasn't saved and intercept some of those people, you know. And so I would just go stand out there and guys are coming to get alcohol and blunt wrappers and so forth and so on. And on the way out, I would just say, hey, bro, can I talk to you for a minute? And I would say, I, God told me to tell you something. The gospel. He, God did tell me to tell them the gospel, so I would give it to him. So one time there was a guy. He's coming out. He's got all his stuff, right? And uh, I said, "Bro, can I talk to you for a minute? I believe God wants me to tell you something." And he just perked up. He was like, "What?" And I shared. I just briefly gave the gospel. He said, "Bro, what made you stop me?" I said, "Because God wanted me to speak to you." He said, "No, there's other. Why did Why did you stop me?" I said, "That's you're the person God wanted me to talk to, right now." He took me home. He said, "Well, you come to my apartment. I want you to talk to my girlfriend." And I went with him to his apartment and girlfriend is there. We go, there's like a little kitchen area, a little dining room table. And he tells me, now tell her what you just told me right now. And so I tell her what I just told him. He said, bro, just before I walked out of here, we were having a discussion about how we both need to come back to God. And he said, they're, they're addicted. They got you know problems and so forth and so on. But for him, it was like, bro, this is, a, this is divine. God is God is here, you know. Now, I look back and it was it was as simple as I got an hour. I'm going to go out for an hour between 12 and 1 a.m. and catch me a few people going to 7-Eleven and just hit them with the gospel. But for that guy, it was like, no, this is God. God came to us tonight. We got to do something with this. And I was so full. I was so blessed. I'm like, God, you want them. You love sinners. And so, you know, it doesn't have to be something extravagant. right? We don't, I don't have to get on a plane. You could, but you don't have to. Most of us can just, some of us don't even got to leave our house to find a center to share with, right? <laughs> so we can, we, anywhere we go, there's a work to be done. There's people to do it at. I just want to encourage us, maybe stir us, that we would take some, we would operate in some faith like that. God, I'm going to just see what you would do. There's some things I don't even have to pray about. You want me to share the gospel. You want sinners to come to you. If I see a sinner, I can share with them. I already know you want to do it. I'm going to just go see what you might do, Lord. Um, don't have to wait. Don't have to pray for an hour about this. I don't need a plan. I don't have to put together a team. I just got to put feet to it and go. And there are many opportunities like that for believers that we could just, you know what, God, I'm going to see what you might do. I'm going to just go for it. Uh, what's the worst that could happen that they, they don't work? Now, check this out. For Jonathan, what's the worst that could happen? He died. But he went anyway. He was like, that's, that's look, I'm called to do something. I'm going to do something. I'm not going to sit around here like my daddy under the pomegranate tree. I'm going to get out here and get with it. So, um, I want you to pay attention to this because I'm going to contrast him. There's, there's obviously more to say about the negative, right? There's more, there's more of, of what we see his dad do to kind of ruin everything in the chapter. I'll bring us back to this at the end, but I really want you to meditate on this. I want you to pray about God. What is, cause we're all different, right? I'm, I like to evangelize on the street. I like to talk to random people. My heart beats for when I think of who I was when I wasn't saved, my heart I'm like, God, there weren't a lot of Christians coming to me. 
where I was and what I was doing. And I would presume that maybe we look, maybe you look scary. Maybe it looks like this. But I know that I was a human being. I wasn't scary. I was I was a human. I needed the gospel, you know, um, but there weren't many churches coming. I, I don't remember. There was a few instances where I, I felt like we got I got the gospel shared with me. But I feel like for a, a long time, now I don't remember believers coming certain places. So I would go. Uh, I would go to liquor stores. Um, I did this for a while. <laughs> me and a friend of mine, we we, uh, we had made up these tracks and there's a bunch of Inglewood has a bunch of adult bookstores. Basically, is a whole lot of, you know, you know, everybody in there is sinning. Hands down. If you went in the adult bookstore, you ain't go there to do nothing holy. And so I wasn't going in, but I would go to the parking lot and we would put these things on people's cars. And, and there was a number for them to call. If you need help, if you're in bondage to this, if you need a way out, you would be blown away at how many people called. The, yeah, acknowledging that they're in bondage. They're in bondage to sexual sin. And as I'm going to weird places like that, doing weirdo stuff like that, and they need help. And again, I look at all these things. I've, I've been to strip club parking lots. Again, I don't go in, uh, but I, and I always go with people. So if I go to a strip club parking lot, it'd be about two or three guys. The girls don't come outside. Just it just be men going in and it'd be another opportunity to share. Now, wherever you used to, where do you wherever you used to be? This is where I used to be when I wasn't saved. So I think about that. Where was I when I wasn't saved? I'd be there. We'd be doing this. This is how we would have a good time. We'd go in and be at the club or be at the this or be at the that. Maybe for you, you may think back to when you weren't saved and think we were we were where doing what? Because there's some people doing this. Satan got some new people doing your old sins. And where are where are the people like us to say, I want to I'm going to speak life to you. I'm going to share the gospel with you. I'm going to show you how much because I'm, I'm evidence that God loves sinners just like you. So I'm not here to judge. I'm not here to put you down. I'm here to I'm here on a rescue mission. It's something everybody can do. It costs nothing but a heart that cares and some faith to take steps. Amen. And so, again, Jonathan's an example of this. You may be stirred up for something totally different. You may be stirred up for some other ministry, some other thing. And that's great. Whatever it is that God would stir up in your heart, just what could you do that's going to make you step out in faith? you got to use faith to do it. There's a lot of things we can do in the natural, but what do I need faith? I, I need faith to step out and do something, do certain things. And so I love that Jonathan said that. He said, man, it may be that the Lord will work for us. And he says, faith in God. Nothing restrains us from going of the Lord from saving rather by many or by few. This is just like uh, if you guys remember King Asa, his prayer. Um, when he prayed, when, when the Ethiopians came out against him and he said, Lord, you, you could save whether it's many or whether it's from many or few. Um, you know, his, his, his faith in God was great. And when he prayed, that's what he said. He said, God, it's nothing for you to help rather with many or with few. And uh, if you're taking notes, um, this is in First Chronicles, chapter 14, verse 11. Asa cried out to the Lord God, said, it is nothing for you to help rather with many or with those who have no power. Help us, O Lord. We rest in your name and the Lord. Oh, Second Chronicles, chapter 14, verse 11. God bless you, sis. Thank you. Um, Second Chronicles 14, 11. So, um, you know, God is able to move mountains. God is able to do what we can't do. And he's not limited like we are. So look at now verse seven through 14. So as armor bearer said to him, do all that is in your heart. Go then here. I am with you according to your heart. I love that his armor bearer was like, bro, I'm rocking with you, you know, because he could have been a chump. He could have been a scaredy cat. He could have been like, uh-huh, what's just two of us, man? What are we going to do? <laughs> but he wasn't, you know, he, he uh, maybe he was, maybe Jonathan had well picked an armor bearer that was about that life like he was, but he was like, bro, do all this in your heart. I'm with you, right? Verse uh, eight, 
Then Jonathan said, very well, let us cross over to these men and we will show ourselves to them. Now, he kind of creates a he's trying to discern God's will. So he creates a scenario. They don't have the Holy Spirit like we do. So they were trying to figure out God's will and they use different means. He said, look, this is how we'll know if God is in it. If they say to us, wait until we come to you, then we'll stay in our place and not go up to them. Right. If they tell you to stay put, he says, oh, when the God's not in it, we're not going to go. been listening to A Transforming Word. As Pastor Bill Buffington has been teaching through the book of 1 Samuel, this book covers some interesting history in the Jewish nation of Israel. The book starts with a prophet declaring the first king of Israel, and the book ends with the death of this same king. Why did Israel desire to have a king so badly? Was it a case of everyone else has one, so we should too? It seemed to have been a situation where the people wanted a person to rule and reign over them rather than just trusting God to do the kingly duties. As we all know, humans have a tendency to fail and falter, and the first king of Israel was no stranger to this. King Saul started off well, but he didn't end well. Power, prestige, disobedience, and insecurity were all part of his downfall. May these messages in the book of 1 Samuel be a good reminder and a lesson that no matter what man attempts to do, Without God, things will surely crumble. If you'd like to hear this message again, or listen to more messages from 1 Samuel, go to calvaryinglewood.org. If you have some questions that you'd like answered, or need someone to talk to, we're happy to speak with you and try to answer those questions. Just call or text 310-245-4811. Once more, that number is 310-245-4811. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood in Inglewood, California. Thank you for spending time with us today in the book of 1 Samuel, here on A Transforming Word.